Stay tuned to the end of the episode where you can find out how you can help those affected by Hurricane Sandy. Welcome to Communicore Weekly. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And we're gonna wreck it. Here's another minute that you can't get back. It's the 60-second review. That was not a very good impersonation. No, that was there is terrible. I'm, That's I apologize. Okay. That's I apologize. okay. But anyways, we're here to do our 60-second review of Wreck-It Ralph, which we both saw over the weekend. Again, separate theaters. We can never seem to find the same theater we can both... It's so weird. You'd think it'd be a lot easier to find the same theater in two completely different states that are separated by, like, what, 500 miles? Exactly. Something like that. But that's okay. That's okay. I I happen to go with um, two teenagers and two preteen, all four, four, I guess there were five of us guys, and we had an absolute blast. And I went with a a young young child and a mid 20 year old woman and we had an absolute <laughs> blast also. <laughs> I like how you did that. Um it, amazing. Uh the reviews about it were good. Everything I saw on the internet said this is going to be amazing. They've knocked it out of the park with this one. And I have to admit, it was fantastic and everybody needs to go see it right now and see it multiple times. I you know, despite the fact that it's towards the end of the year at this point you know it just became november this probably still shot up to probably one of my top two films of 2012 that's how good this movie was it was fantastic so so wreck it ralph and the Communicore weekly live show yeah that's that's pretty much how it went okay good good. that's what i thought that's what i thought for most of it well i mean some people are going to stay away from it because it looks like it's a weird crazy video game movie which, which it is. is. Which it is. <laughs> it totally which it is. is. I mean, there are so many amazing 80s and 90s and 2000s vi- video game references in it that video game fans are just going to go nuts and they're going to love it. Well, here, and, here's what I actually think about that. I think it kind of bombarded you with all those references in the first half of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of shied away from it on the second half. I'm not saying that's neither a good thing or a bad thing, but if you don't play video games, I don't think you're going to be lost in the film. Exactly. If you you play them and you get the references, great. It enhances your experience more. But even if you don't, you're still going to enjoy the movie because the story is that strong that you'll you'll fall in love with it. Absolutely. Yep. I mean, the only way you won't enjoy it is if you're not human. Yeah. uh, Robots will probably hate this movie because they have no, unless they have the emotional core. Oh, that's true. If they don't have the emotional core, then, I mean, they're they're going to hate it. You you mentioned the story. I mean, the voice cast was fantastic as well. John C. O'Reilly is one of my favorite actors of all time. And he was brilliant. So much emotion and character in that voice. And... Uh, fi- uh, fix it, Felix. He was amazing. Jack I mean, Jack McBrayer. Jack, Jack McBrayer. I was, I was thinking. I was like, so you know, funny. I think it's I, a funny we call dude. him Kenneth. Kenneth. <laughs> we call him Kenneth. Sorry, but everybody was so well done. The voices were so well. The script was so good, and you just fell in love with the characters. And I have not had that happen. You know, I fall in love with individual characters, with films, but everybody in the film, you you were just were cheering for and excited about. Yeah, absolutely. Well. Everyone, but uh, not not to give any spoilers away, but, but except for the bad guy. Along the same lines, 
Um, <laughs> King Candy, totally yeah. the Mad Hatter in yeah, every way, good... shape, or form. And I thought that was awesome. He, I mean, he he acted like the Mad Hatter. He sounded like the Mad Hatter. Um, mm. Probably was intentional, obviously. Uh, even looked a little bit like Ward Kimball's drawings of the Mad Hatter oh. uh, from Alice in Wonderland. W- when you really look at it, you could definitely see the resemblance. But that is good. Probably one of my favorite uh, characters of all time in a mm-hmm. in a Disney film. He was fantastic because he was crazy, crazy. Yeah, and you know something that surprised me about the film. You know, a couple times you might be thrown off by some of the animation, but it fits really, really well with the video game styles. They took that into effect. Some of the older 8-bit characters move like 8-bit characters. Which was a great little touch. I mean, there's there's parts of the film where, you know, it looked the, the CGI animation, but then when they would go into a part of the video, video game world that oh, was yeah. 8-bit, how they instantly changed into 8-bit characters was, I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, and I think, you know, you and I talked about it over the weekend, and one of the first thoughts I had is this is sort of, and it's weird to say this, but it's like a modern-day Toy Story. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. It's the same idea. Instead of toys, we've got video game characters coming to life, and you've got some friendships that are building, and, you know, uh, not really some love. Well, there is some love in the film, but, you know. We don't talk about that. Yeah. We don't want to scare yeah. the boys away <laughs> in the movie. But I really think Disney hit a nostalgia vein with this one, except this time yeah. with classic video games as opposed to uh, toys like they did with Toy Story. And I, I am definitely looking forward to possibly a sequel in the future because I wouldn't mind exploring these character stories a little bit further and see them jump into other video games inside sure. the arcade. Sure, and I think with the, I know they had problems at first with getting some of the licenses. Like they talk about Mario, he is never in any of the. He's he's not in the movie at all. Yeah, and which I mean, once or twice. he's not needed. You you got Bowser, yeah, you got Sonic, you got Cubert. Mm-hmm. Guys, they got Cubert. I yeah. loved Cubert when I was a kid, and that was even yep. before my time. And I yeah, still we, love that game. We tried to get Cubert for the Communicore Weekly live show, and we couldn't. No, he was busy. Plus, nobody can understand what the hell he's saying. So exactly. That's all right. So we got the Dreamfinder. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, just as good. Just as good. It was just as good. That's okay. That's okay. Gosh, I hope you didn't listen to this part. So, I, you know, when, when I think about it, it's a, another fantastic comment I heard courtesy of good friend Amanda um, that I think she retweeted from somebody else. But the idea was Disney has finally made a Pixar film with Wreck-It Ralph and that Pixar Pixar finally made a Disney film with Brave. <laughs> and that's, said, not, that's not a dig. No, 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 It's just funny how the roles are kind of reversed with this because it, this did feel like a Pixar film, and you know the emotional core of the story screamed Pixar in every single way. And I'm sure Disney yes. picked that up from watching Pixar do their thing for so long now. But well, and the executive producer good. was Lasseter. There you go. That's the yeah, reason. So I guess you know we're we're gonna tell everybody go out and see this movie. It is amazing, wonderful. I'm I'm gonna give it two eight bit thumbs up. Oh, that's good. We should have an eight-bit sound effect. I mean, I'd even go see it again, and you know, sometimes I wait till the Blu-ray comes out to enjoy it. It was really, really good. Yeah. So go see it. You'll enjoy it. Trust us. He's a nerd. He's a geek. geek. But we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. It's George's book of the week. December twenty-first, two thousand and twelve, marks the seventy-fifth anniversary of the release of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. It's also the end of the world. Well, yeah, but we're not supposed to tell them that. Oh, sorry, guys. To buy all this stuff and listen to us. Well, anyways, um, besides being the end of the world, well, back when the film was released, it, this was a very, very monumental time for the company as well as an event. 
and it's probably the single most important event in the history of the company. Disneyland probably comes really close, but most historians would agree how important Snow White was. I mean, basically, it, it built the Burbank studio. The movie? The money built, for, oh, the, oh, the money. I thought you meant like the movie or like the yeah, dwarves. Yeah, the dwarves. The dwarves did, yeah. Cheap, cheap, labor. cheap labor. Half price. Uh, oh, zing! Oh, 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 nice. Anyway, the... Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, that no, was okay. a terrible okay. joke. It was... We're moving right along. The, the the Walt Disney Family Museum, which everyone that listens should be a fan of it, is going to celebrate the event. And they've released two books by J.B. Kaufman, who is a renowned animation historian. The one we're talking about is the fairest one of all, The Making of Walt Disney's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And it is an amazing look at the film. I've looked at other books by Kaufman, and they were just as entertaining as they were educational. So I was really looking forward to this book. The, the book is really, really, really expensive. Uh, list price is $75, but I have no issues at all with recommending it, uh, especially considering the book has over 320 pages with 280 dedicated just to text and photos, and the other 40 are for references and sources, which tells you Kaufman did his research. This guy knows his stuff. Knows what his stuff. It's very exhaustive, and that's a great thing. Well, the, the book... The first part of the book looks at Snow White before 1934. You know, it can seem kind of odd at first, but he pulls you right into the book with a history of the history of Snow White. You know, I know I had to say that a couple times. Brum, uh, again. What? Uh, he looks at many of the incarnations that might have and probably did influence Disney and his filmmakers. And it's really a great way to start to look at Snow White because you see what came before, starting with the Grim Fairy Tales and up to like the 1916 Paramount release. The, the largest part of the book, it's the second session. And Kaufman looks at the production of the film in great detail. Uh, we begin with character designs, and then he charges fully into each and every scene of the film. And this is where the book is enticingly exhaustive. Kaufman looks at every scene, whether it was in the final cut or not. He looks at concept art. He details the plot and the story and how it fits into the overall overall film. And we also learn about the individual artists that uh, worked on the dwarves or Snow White or the prince and, and have, how the characters were molded and even changed. The deleted scenes are given just as much attention as the final scenes, including criticisms and reasons for not doing it. And he was able to take notes uh, from the archives and give us the actual documented reasons why Walt or some of his ar uh, artists may have argued against or for a scene. It, it's really amazing. The, the last section of the book looks at everything Snow White after the release of the film. And, and for us, it's sort of hard to get a sense of how amazing the film was back then without the historical context. And, and Kaufman does a fantastic job. Uh, if you've read South of the Border or watched the documentary El Grupo, for us, and I know, Jeff, you can attest to this, we love the films. Yep. But we had no idea when Walt Disney went to South America, he was a bigger draw than most anything else. And you sort of get this feel with this book of how massive and important this film was. It was a huge cultural phenomenon. Hands down, it is one of the best books written on the subject. Not only is it exhaustive, but it is completely accessible. Whether you're a huge Disney nerd like the two of us, or you're just somebody who loves the film, or you're just getting into it, you're going to love this book. It is absolutely amazing. It's called The Fairest One of All, The Making of Walt Disney's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs by J.B. Kaufman. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. 
So, big news, you guys. Disney just bought Lucasfilm for a lot of money. Uh, I think they had a coupon, though. They probably got 25% off. Uh, that's what I was thinking. But I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not the biggest fan of the Star Wars films, and I know that's not the only thing that Lucasfilm is known for. Relax, <laughs> guys. Okay. Jeez. However... I do enjoy pretty much everything else about Star Wars, as weird as that is, like the video games and the TV shows and the books. But the movies never really did anything for me. But uh, I'm super excited by this, um, because I think we're going to take a lot of these properties from Lucasfilm, like Star Wars, even though we already have Star Wars attractions, and Indiana Jones, even though we already have Indiana Jones attractions, <laughs> and we're going to get more cool stuff out of it. And I'm excited to see what Disney does with the stuff, not just in the parks, because I know that's not going to happen right away, but also on the screen, uh, whether that be TV or cinema or video games as well. I agree. You know, th I've been a huge Star Wars fan. It was probably one of my first obsessions ever. And I guess Disney's Nerd. just the latest in Nerd. a long line. Yes, yes. You know, I wear it well. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I was, I, was, I was, you know, under 10 when the first one came out. So now everybody knows how old I am, at least somewhere in that age, range. But it, it's always been a huge part of my life. Star Tours was always one of my favorite attractions at the Disney MGM Hollywood Studios <clears throat> or Disneyland. So I always enjoyed it and I always wanted them to do so much more with Star Wars and the properties. And the Indiana Jones Adventure is one of the greatest rides ever Absolutely. out in California. When I heard the news, at first it was that little bit of incredulity. It's like, really? What just happened here? You know, because if you look at the Muppets and Pixar and Marvel, Iger's done a lot of purchasing. And I think this is a good thing. This is a, you know, they, they revitalized Disneyland with bringing in Star Wars and the other Lucasfilm properties. Made a huge difference in the way people saw Disney as well. But now they've got a chance to, you know, they're going to release Episode 7. And 2015 is what they've said now. And 8 and 9. So Yeah, and then as long as it makes money, they'll do 8 and 9. So you know? I'm and, sure they'll do 8 and 9 regardless because Star Wars nerds, I mean, they've been they've been buying the movies over and over again yep. every time they're re-released on VHS or DVD yep. or DVD again and then DVD a third time and then Blu-ray. And Blu -ray and special editions of it. But, yeah. you know, it's so I'm excited about the movies. Really, really excited for the possibility of a Lucasland or Star Wars Land, or Indie Land, or something like that. Uh, there's I don't think they'd it. make an entirely new, you know, either third gate or fifth gate, depending on the coast, based yeah, on just yeah. those properties. But I definitely see it being the bulk of whatever new park is going to happen. Maybe it's a movie park on, on the West Coast, like we sure. have a movie park here. and uh, Or an expansion be... of the Disney Hollywood Studios. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. I mean, if they can find the space for it. But, you know, something else we haven't really talked about, not a lot of people have talked about, is the uh, revival of LucasArts games. Listen, if, if one thing comes out of this, I don't care. Please... Please, please make another Maniac Mansion Day of the yes. Tentacle game because those games are awesome. And I know Telltale Games has already picked up the slack with Sam and Max and the Monkey mm -hmm. Island games. So please, sequel to Day of the Tentacle. We can see it. Yeah. And I mean, I know there's some people that are worried about it, you know, Disneyfying the property or doing something. But, you know, look at what they've done with Marvel. Look at what they've done with the Muppets. You know, they've stayed true. So we can only hope that they're going to keep it. And you know what? I'm really hoping there's a cantina restaurant in the future. I'd I'd go listen to that band. So I would ask them to play some other music though. I'm gonna I'm gonna go in when they're doing, and I'm gonna be like, "Free bird!" <laughs> and, but they're not gonna understand me because they're aliens and what do exactly. They know? They're, they're be, bit. Do, 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 do
Okay, and I think this ends the Disney debate. I think we both agree it's a pretty good thing. Yeah. We really need to come up with a debate that we just that actually we, debate. We, yeah, that we debate about and not just talk, because talking is boring. Nah, people love hearing our voices. Okay. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. So a few weeks ago, we did our live show in the Norway, Norway Pavilion. Pavilion. We're never, that's never going to get old. I'm going to yeah, continue doing never, that forever. Never. But anyway, so on the Maelstrom ride, which surprisingly we didn't go on when we were down there, even though we spent a lot of time in that pavilion. That kind of makes me upset. But yes, we did. I didn't go on it. You went on it? You went on it without me? No, I didn't. <sighs> never mind. Hey, what is that? Is that a troll oh, over God. there? Anyway... So on the ride that George went on without me, many of the uh, the audio animatronics from the ride are actually just copies of other audio animatronics that are in Spaceship Earth and used to be in World of Motion. And this was to cut down on the cost, and it was determined that nobody would notice because, you know, the Vikings look nothing like the disco-booted uh, Go-Go Girl in Spaceship Earth. So nobody, nobody would be able to tell the difference anyway. So there you go. Thanks a lot, George. So recently, a lot of... Uh, people out there other podcasts are asking for your help in uh voting for them in the podcast awards and um we would actually like to ask you guys for your help for something completely different um and something we think is a really good cause yeah the recent devastation that hurricane sandy left along the east coast is is heartbreaking jeff lives along the jersey shore and he witnessed much of the destruction firsthand he didn't suffer any severe loss other families were not so lucky yeah, uh, people pretty much lost their entire lives during the hurricane. Uh, their possessions, uh, houses, cars, everything. It's just completely gone now. And it's its really heartbreaking to, to think about and, and to see. Especially for me, because you know I've lived here all my life, and just to see parts of my childhood be completely... Um, you know, just, just washed away in, in the blink of an eye is, is really upsetting to me. So... I mean, there, the areas of the East Coast that were head-on, hit head-on, especially the Jersey Shore, will take years to build again, if, if they can even rebuild again at all. Yeah, we don't ask much from our fans, but in times like this, you know, we really, really would appreciate your help. Yeah, um, we, we thought we would try to raise uh, $2,500 for the American Red Cross to try to help out with their uh, Hurricane Sandy disaster relief. Um, the money will do a lot of good for the areas that really, really need it, especially here on the Jersey Shore. Um, I, I literally live, like, right smack where it hit the shore, um, and thankfully, like, I live a little, a couple miles inland from the, the ocean, but, I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff around me that will never, ever be the same again, so please, if, if you can give anything, please consider helping out. Yeah, and as an incentive, for anyone who donates $10 or more, we'll send you a digital download of the Communicore Weekly Season 1 soundtrack, including all the themes and bumpers you know and love from the show, and including some from the recent live show. But, you know, expect it in late December when Season 1 is officially over, because we still have some surprises left this year. Yeah, and, and you know, to donate, we've tried to make it as easy as possible um, so the money goes directly to the Red Cross. We set up a website um, at GoFundMe.com slash Uh That's G-O 
F-U-N-D-M-E.com slash CommuniCoreWeekly. Uh, I'll put it on the website, uh, CommuniCoreWeekly.com, if that's easier for you. It'll be in the show notes. If you're watching this on YouTube, it's on the information underneath that. But if you go there, you can make a donation right to that page. It'll go directly to the, the Red Cross. Uh, you can see how far we are to our goal. Um, I put it up today, actually, um, and within an hour, we already had like $150 of donations, which is fantastic. So thank thank you to everyone who already helped donate. But if you can please help out, we'd both really, really appreciate it. Yeah, and before we end the episode, we've got a special song that Andrew and Steve, who've done all the other music for us, put together. And uh, we asked them if they could do something simple for us, and uh, we were quite amazed overwhelmed and pleased with what they gave us and we think you guys will like it as well so take a listen sometimes we stand sometimes we fall a helping hand can change it all get back the pieces that are broken make a change and make the call little pledges all it takes to make the difference you can make we need you now lots at stake So again, um, if you can please donate anything, uh, the website is GoFundMe.com slash Weekly. G-O-F-U-N-D-M-E.com slash Weekly. Um, again, like George said, if you donate $10 or more, we'll send you a link to a digital download at the end of the year uh, for the Communicore Weekly Season 1 soundtrack, uh, including the song you just heard, which was phenomenal, and I, I love it. So please, if you can help out, Please help out. These guys really, really need it. Well, thanks so much for watching and listening. Yeah, please uh, leave us a comment and uh, rate us on iTunes. And feel free to email us at any time at communicorweekly at gmail.com. Uh, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash communicorweekly. And you can always follow us on Twitter at Imagineerding and at Jeff Heimbuck. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And we're from Mice Chat. Thanks so much for watching, and we'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly.